0: New
1: partners. Hey everybody! This is Goliath, the Tax Lady from EG Tax, uh, and that's egtax.com. That's our website, and uh, we're in. We're inviting you to join us for another podcast, and we will teach you so much about taxes that you would just be a genius. And you'll make some great financial decisions because you're going to find out that everything financial comes back to your tax return. And obviously, if you don't have to pay 40 percent, you're a happy camper. And we will certainly give you opportunities so that you can avoid paying taxes legally. And I'm joined in studio with Christopher Fabian. Hey, Chris.
0: Hello, Esther. Hello,
2: Christopher and Tiffany Fabian. Hey there, Esther. Happy day to you. I just want to tell you, you know, at the prelude, you were talking about all that stuff. Chris and I yesterday were helping a mortgage broker, and he wanted us to look at a tax return. Chris and I wanted to use this tax return as an example. He did it by himself with paper and pen. He uh, put the college credit on a schedule one. He gave himself a QBI credit, which is a credit for small business owners if he had a profit, he didn't, he gave himself a $3,000 college credit for student loan. He gave him a $4,500 credit when there was no student loan on schedule a itemized deduction. He wrote off uh, investment interest expense, but he had no investment income. It was, my eyes were just bleeding after looking at this tax return, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> it was crazy, crazy, but well, I mean. <clears throat> it, it,
1: mm. You know, I know they say garbage in, garbage out. And really, that's what you're talking about. Right. When you're filling out a tax return using a computer program, you don't know what they're talking about. Correct. You know, so you just take a shot at it and them shots can make it really a not good thing. But anyway, our series right now, we're kind of moving on. We talked about Uh, filing status and dependents and exemptions and we talked about uh, income and uh, we started off with income and and tax-free income and so this week we're talking about other forms of income and uh, in that genre we're talking about interest income. Now
2: what could be interesting about interest income? Um, it, it's taxable at your normal tax rate unless that's true that, and what else is well it
0: depends if it's regular interest if it's muni bond interest if it's savings bond interest there's different types of interest and each interest has its own different way of being taxed or not being right taxed.
1: so people that are in the higher tax bracket Many times in the past, especially when interest rates were higher, looked at municipal bonds as a way to eliminate taxability of interest that they were earning because it is absolutely tax free on the federal return. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, the uh, municipal bond interest usually is much lower than what the banks are paying. Well, the banks are paying like almost nothing right now.
2: Correct.
1: So. So when you take a look at that, you scale it back to municipal bond interest, which is completely tax free on the federal. Then what you find out is you really aren't saving anything because there is no income to exclude.
0: Right. 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 right, right. Yeah. And,
1: and on the state of New York, if you're looking at a New York return or any other state for that matter, in order for it to be tax free on that state. It also has to be a New York state municipal bond if you want to exclude it on, um, on New the York. New York <laughs> return. And it has to be like if you're in Illinois, it have to be an Illinois municipal bond. Then it'd be tax free on the Illinois return. But if you're in New York and you bought an Illinois bond, then it's taxable on New York
2: return. That's right. And that's why when you get those brokerage statements, <clears throat> they have all that interest from uni bonds sometimes. And you really have to dissect it and make sure that you're subtracting what you should on the states and what you should not. So that legend that you get from the brokerage company, you really have to pay attention to it. Right. And, you know, a lot.
1: And, and that's uh, another interesting thing. Many people don't understand what those statements that they're getting even say. And so learning how to read your own brokerage statement is so important. And, um, you know, we oftentimes say to people, why don't you come over, have an appointment? There's no charge for an appointment. And we can go over some of these things and show you how to read your own
2: statement. Yeah, it is very, very confusing. I know when we have our tax class, we pass out blank statements that are put out by brokerage companies and we teach our, our staff on how to read it and how to teach everybody else how to read it because they're very... Very, very confusing.
0: Right. And not to mention also just doing the interest right now. Um, there's the penalties if you cashed in a certificate of deposit early. That's a deduction against your income. There could be federal withholding you have to pick up. Uh, so and even if it's from a Canadian bank, there could be a foreign tax to pick up. So you and would-
1: that's, really, that's really important. For instance, if you invested in a Canadian bank. What the Canadian government will do to that bank is they say to you as an investor, oh, you're not a Canadian citizen? Okay, then what we're going to do is we're going to charge you a tax on the interest that you you had, and we're going to take it right out of your bank account. When we send you that form, you're going to see foreign taxes paid. And so you end up with that foreign taxes paid that triggers another form on on the 1040 right that's yes right. yep the
0: 1116 11, 11, 16. yes right
1: and so if you paid $100 in foreign taxes and that's uh, out of the interest that you had if you had were in the bank of canada for instance uh, then you'd be able to get a credit on your federal return for taxes paid to a foreign government and that and you do that on a form 1116 That's right.
2: Yep. You you also have the opportunity to do it on the uh, Schedule A if you had wanted to, you know, but usually right. with the salt, it wouldn't make any much of a difference, you know? That's right. It, and what are you talking about with salt? You know, salt and pepper? <laughs> on the itemized deduction, there's something that came around. It's called the state and local tax limitation. And that section of the itemized deduction Schedule A is only subject to $10,000. You cannot super exceed that. So all those taxes your income taxes, your state and local and municipality taxes, your estimated taxes cannot exceed ten thousand dollars. It maxes out there. Well, they
1: can exceed, but they're not. You're not going to be able to take it. Correct. Right? Correct. Right. Right. So, and but they are in the process right now of debating that in Congress because we know that they're looking at raising taxes, and you can bet your bottom dollar they're going to do that. But they're also talking about liberalizing some of the salt deduction. So, of course, as soon as they as soon as they make up their mind and they pass the law, we will certainly let you know. Right. Right. All right. So interest income, fully taxable on the federal, fully taxable on the state, unless it's a municipal bond. Uh, And then it would be tax free on the federal and potentially tax free on the state, as long as it's that state that you live in. You bought that
2: bond.
0: Right. That's right.
1: You also have to look for foreign taxes that you paid especially if you had uh income from a foreign country that's right Right. that's
2: right right
0: and if it's a savings bond like a double e bond oh yes and i
1: was just going to move on to that so savings bonds are are completely different as well Mm -hmm. why would that be
0: well because savings bonds are taxable on the federal and tax-free on the state
1: right so if you have a U.S. savings bond and the interest that you, you had over the years was $500, that's going to be fully taxable in the federal, but that's a subtraction when you're doing the state
2: return. Exactly. So make sure that you don't miss it because it's potential money in your pocket. Right. That's And I'll tell you, in your ten, if you're in
1: the 10% bracket, which is the lowest bracket you can be in, $500 equates to $50 in taxes you overpaid. Right and don't take it
0: up. Yep, I uh, I see later on about estate planning. If you have bonds and you have a a TOD or a POD listed, make sure that person this is going to sound weird is still alive. Because otherwise your estate's going to cash them in and could potentially pay 37 percent where an individual may pay 12 percent.
2: Yeah. And the thing yeah, is, right. the thing is, is everybody's got those. A lot of people have those old paper bonds. Well, nowadays, you can't switch the ba- beneficiary unless you go to the Treasury Direct online and you convert them into electronic bonds. That is the so, only try, way.
1: Try to <clears throat> explain that process, if you would. I think that'd be in it. This is a proper place to mention Insert that.
2: that. Sure. So like Chris said, I just helped somebody the other day and regrettably her husband passed away. And so he was the beneficiary of all of the, they have lots and lots of saving bonds from long time ago. And so he's a beneficiary of those bonds. And so she wanted to switch the beneficiary to her daughter. Well, you can't do that unless you convert them to E, electronic bonds. And so you go to U.S. Direct. You have to make a manifest of all your bonds, and then you collect the manifest. What you- manifest what's
1: his, his, <coughs> let's talk to people like they don't know what a manifest is.
2: So the manifest is a summation of all the bonds, all the numbers, all the issue dates, and it's a summation of all those bonds that you have, and that produces a manifest of all those bonds after you enter now, each do you one get of them.
1: Where do you get that information from? From,
2: from the paper bonds.
1: All right. And, and you what, have to key it into a form that's on the U.S. Treasury setup. Direct
2: you have to make an account at U.S. Treasury Direct. Once you make an account at U.S. Treasury Direct, you then have to go and manually key in every single one of your bonds, the the number on the bond, the um, amount of the bond, the issue date. And so after you're done keying in all those bonds, it's going to generate a manifest. You take the manifest and you take your bonds and you mail it to the US direct and then they become electronic bonds and at that point, at that juncture, you can then change your beneficiary.
1: All right. So then the paper
2: bonds, do they require you to terminate them, send them in? You have to you mail it you in. You have them? to mail them you have to mail them in with your manifest. All right, so do you, you mail it in with the manifest? Right. So you really have no proof at that point? Well, you've keyed them all in Um, the U.S. Treasury Direct. You mail them certified mail. I
0: would keep a photocopy of everything and mail it registered registered mail. You
1: want to make sure that you keep a photocopy because once you send them in, that's it. And if they get lost in the mail or and you want to send them in, I would think certified mail, wouldn't you? You do. Yeah. Okay, so you go on to uh, Treasury Treasury Direct. Mm-hmm. You you start a manifest. You enter all the information electronically. You make a copy of all your bonds. You send. You make a copy of the manifest. You send your actual bonds in to Treasury Direct, and you send it certified mail. And then they then at that point in time you've already changed your beneficiaries, right?
2: Yes. Yes. And if you have any questions, you can always call me at 716-632-7886 and I'd be delighted to help
1: you. And that's EG tax, EG tax. Okay, let's talk about dividends. So dividend income, if you have qualified dividends, then you get a great big tax break, right? Because dividends that are qualified, qualify for special tax treatment. And so let's talk about what a qualified dividend is.
0: Sure. Well, qualifying dividend is a a US company, first of all, that you have to have invested in a US company. And you had to have it for 30 days prior, I believe, to the issuance of the dividend and 30 days after the issuance of the dividend. And it's considered qualified. And then what that means is you could potentially pay 0% tax on those dividends.
1: So if you're in a lower tax rate, under 15%, you actually pay 0% in taxes on your qualified dividends. Now, does that, is that a, some miracle that happens, like the, the, the qualified dividend fairy comes and touches your tax return? How does the taxpayer get that lower rate?
0: Well, it's right. You have to, again, look at the forms, just like we said with the 1099-INT. You have to look at the 1099-DIV and see, you will see ordinary dividends and qualified dividends. And you have to, on your tax return, there is sections where it says ordinary dividends, qualified dividends. And then the qualified dividends, you have to use the Schedule D worksheet, even though you may not have sold your stock. But and, and that Schedule- was my
1: point. I wanted to make sure you talked about the Schedule D worksheet because just because you list it on page one of the 1040 as a qualified dividend, if you don't use that worksheet, they aren't going to give you the tax break.
2: That's right. Yes. Right. And sort so of like that, want, that tax so it, return we were talking at the beginning of the show, you know.
1: Right. So if you hit five thousand in qualified dividends and you're in the fifteen percent bracket or lower, then you should pay zero percent in taxes or or, you know, zero. But if you don't, and you're in the 15% bracket, or let's just say 10%, you're going to pay $500 in taxes that you shouldn't have paid. Correct. So don't do that. So you want to make sure that if you have qualified dividends, that you use the Schedule D worksheet to compute that tax liability, because that's extremely important. It saves you money.
0: Right. And also on the 1099V, speaking of saving money, there's capital gains Mm -hmm. and capital gains also are entitled to the to the reduced tax break.
1: That's exactly. So when you're doing the Schedule D worksheet, you're also going to include your capital gains if you have a municipal bond fund. Right. Right. And on that municipal bond fund, there could also be uh, 199A distributions, right?
2: Yep, 199A are those small business um, deductions that we were talking about. And so that's a QBI or qualified business deduction. And so that's a reduction in the amount of tax that you're going to pay. And so you really want to make sure that you put that um, QBI deduction on page one of the 1040 after you come up with your taxable income. It's a nice savings. And it seems like an odd place to find it on that brokerage statement, but that's where you would find it. One of
1: the well, places. because the broker is the only one that knows that you paid you had qualified business expenses that qualified for that 20% tax break, right? I mean, it's a big tax break. So let's say that your 199A was $500. Well, you just saved a hundred dollars in taxes, that's
0: right, 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 yep. yep.
1: Assuming you're in the 10% bracket. If you're in a higher percent bracket, then you save even more. But the one night, so your brokerage statement has interest that was paid to you dividends that were paid to you some are are qualified if they're qualified they have special tax treatment capital gains special tax treatment 199a really special tax treatment and if you just blew by that when you did your tax return i guarantee you you have refunds coming
2: yeah so amend it and if you're needing to amend a return the statute of limitations is three years, and so you can amend your twenty, your nineteen, and your eighteen return.
1: Right, and again, that's something that, especially if you're a do a do it yourselfer, and I don't mean to pick on do it yourselfers, but if you're a do it yourselfer by hand, I bet you, I I bet you a thousand dollars that you've got a refund coming or, because or- you've done it wrong because it's so complicated. It's interesting. My granddaughter is taking a tax class, and she said, "Oh my." Gosh, the rules that you have to know—it or, is or, true—or
2: that return that I talked about at the beginning of the show—the person that took the QBI deduction, the small business deduction, when they weren't entitled to it. So
0: yeah, they had a loss and they still yes. claimed a QBI. So right,
2: and it's
1: only a problem if you get audited.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> well. But you have to understand that the IRS gets copies of all these statements that you got, and they peruse your documents versus what they have and if if it doesn't make sense they send you a bill
2: yeah 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 i the, i the, those people were waiting cooking up an audit because they also had a small business loss a uh, schedule c of ninety seven thousand. so they were they were percolating an audit they were just uh, in the eye of the storm <laughs> all right so capital gains
1: interest is taxed as ordinary income just like our wages. But capital gains gets, uh, qualified capital gains, long-term capital gains, and qualified dividends get special tax treatment, right? They pay at a lower rate. Right. All but right. How, now, what happens if you inherit capital assets? You
2: get a stepped-up basis. And what does that mean?
0: That means you get, so mom and dad, will say dad or mom, had uh, Apple stock, and they bought it in the beginning for $80 a share. Now it's worth $500 a share. So if dad were to sell it, he would have to pay the difference. uh, So he would have to pay tax on $420 per share. But if dad passes away and you inherit the stock, you get the value at the date of death. So now you would get the $500 value and if you sell it for 500 you end up paying no tax. No tax,
1: right, which is really important. Now, when you're filling out your Schedule D, if you don't know that and you put down Dad's original basis of $80, do you think the IRS knows that? No. No, no they don't. And so they're going to let you overpay your taxes. So this is a very, very important uh, thing uh, law tax law and that's another make sure that you take advantage of to make sure you don't overpay your taxes yeah so let me reiterate if you inherited any capital asset which would be everything except for everything except for cash inventory um, depreciable property th- there are very few things that are not capital assets so if you inherit stocks Bonds, real estate, uh, uh, collectibles—well, actually, collectibles handle a little differently. But anything else that you sell at a gain, then that or could potentially sell at a gain, you get special tax treatment on
2: that, yeah. right?
1: At a lower rate. Yeah, and that's another so thing. Say, that's another thing say, Congress
2: say, is considering changing. You know, is the cap? The they fiscal. are, but
1: it's interesting. I think they're back
2: backpedaling on that right that's now. That's good.
1: So I'm happy to say that. Um, so if you're somebody that had inherited, not not that it was gifted to you, but inherited, you and you didn't use the stepped-up basis, you want to amend that return. Mm-hmm. But let's say that it was Thanksgiving, and everybody's in a good mood, and grandma and grandpa are at the table, and grandpa says, we're giving you, and he pulls out the deed to the house, and he says, here, son, I'm gifting you the house. That's different.
2: That's
0: right? different.
1: That's not inherited. That's a gift. How is a gift determined?
0: Well, going back to my thing with the uh, Apple stock, if that was a gift, dad was still alive, your basis becomes dad based dad's basis, so then that's the $80 per share. So then you, when you sell it, if you sold it for 500 would have to pay tax on the $420.
1: Right. So get, when you receive something as a gift, the donor's cost or basis becomes your basis if it's a gift if you inherit it because the donor passed away then you get the stepped up basis so you have to be very careful when you're gifting something away now obviously if you're gifting cash that's not a problem Mm -hmm. right because you're not going to sell that because cash is not a capital asset but if you're gifting a house Real estate, land, stocks, bonds. that means whatever you paid for it, that's what's going to be considered. That'll be the amount that is figured for your the person you you gave it to, the the person that received the gift that's going to be their basis and they're
2: going to end up paying taxes. And that's why it's really important that you make a phone calls and, and do some tax planning before you make changes like yeah, that. Yeah, and
1: I would I would tell you, I think estate planning at this point in time, especially if you're looking at Medicaid and you're looking at the five-year look back because you want, you're thinking that Medicaid would be a great thing. You don't want to lose all your assets. You want to talk to uh, an elder care attorney to make sure that your estate is ready for whatever happens that you pre-plan as much as you possibly can. And obviously with the changes in the tax law that they're going to come up with, you want to make sure that you look at your own estate to make sure that you've got all your eyes dotted, your
2: fees crossed and change you have change beneficiaries. Your beneficiaries
1: on all your yep. investments. Right. That's right. All right. Well, until next week for the next time we have our podcast, I'm Esther Goulias from EG tax with Tiffany Fabian, christopher fabian and if you're getting love letters from the irs state of new york or wherever your, your uh, state is you can always contact us and we actually answer our phone uh our our phone number is right on our website at egtax.com and until the next time we talk to you i'm Esther gulias have a great time hey.
0: Opportunities, new partners,
2: E-G-Tax.